0: What's going on? Welcome to the show. Thank you for downloading the podcast. If you haven't already, please go and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. I appreciate it. Positive ones, preferably. Also, you can join the Facebook group, which is The Pete Calendar Show. Uh, Go to the website for all of the links to uh, the Patreon page, where you can become an individual supporter like Yuri and Trent and Taylor and Tavis and Trudy, and Steven, and Steven, and Sherry, all of them are uh, patrons, they are all direct contributors, and I really appreciate the support, Uh, it allows me to uh, basically pay for the podcast hosting platform, and uh, it uh, allowed us to get some capital to set up the studio. Also, um, the program is made possible by local businesses, like, for example, Mattressman. Mattressmanstores.com is their website. So if you are self-isolating, if you are staying at home, staying safe, you can shop from the comfort of your own home. But if, uh, if you already have a really comfortable bed and you're not looking to buy a bed, then Mattress Man Stores is probably not something that you're going to be shopping for. But if you need a bed and your bed's not comfortable right now, uh, you can shop for a new mattress at mattressmanstores.com. And uh, they, they recently redid their entire website because they knew that people now are going to be shopping from home. And so uh, they've got all of the inventory that are in you know their four stores in Asheville and Arden and Hendersonville. Uh, they've got now all of that on their website. And so you can shop their inventory right from your laptop or computer or smartphone or tablet. Mattressmanstores.com. Click the Shop Online button to order online. Do it now with free local white glove delivery. They have a 120 day comfort guarantee. So that ensures that you're going to love your mattress. Um, and, uh, also if you use the discount code rest, well, you'll get an additional 20% savings. That's rest. Well, all one word rest. Well, and 20% savings is yours. Experience the difference at mattress man, buy local sleep, better mattressmanstores.com. Um, So, as expected, the uh, Buncombe County uh, government has issued a stay-at-home order for the next two weeks. And, um, I'm sorry, not two weeks. Oh, yeah, through uh, April 9th, two weeks. Um, And Buncombe County issued this uh, taking effect. Uh, By the time you hear this podcast, it's probably already in effect. Uh, And so you got to basically stay in your home for two weeks in an effort to slow the spread of the COVID-19. The measures require all individuals living in the county to stay at their place of residence and leave only for essential activities or to go to work at essential businesses. I have the uh, I have the <laughs> the Bunkham County order and their frequently asked questions, their FAQs. We're going to go over that in a second. And much like the one we did yesterday from Mecklenburg County, this is written so broadly that I think a lot of people are going to be able to, uh, squeeze themselves into or under whatever heading they need to, if they are looking to ignore the, um, the, the pleas here of our local government. Um, the federal funding has been, um, uh, uh, well, I shouldn't say this, well, to some extent, because there's also the, the, bailout, or I should call it the relief package, Uh, we're going to get to that also here, but uh, the federal funding spigot has been open to some extent because uh, there has been a major disaster declaration for North Carolina that's been now signed by the president that unlocks more federal funding and support. So the federal government now will be responsible for a cost share of 75% for approved projects, while the partner local government or nonprofit organization is expected to uh, pick up a quarter of the costs there. So uh, that's what happens when you declare a uh, major disaster uh, in the state and the president signs off on it, which is what has occurred. Um, So, all right, the Buncombe County Stay Home, Stay Safe Supplemental Declaration Interpretive Guidance. This thing is, (laughs) I don't even know how many pages it is. But under this declaration, Buncombe County residents can you ready for this? I'm going to go through them pretty quickly. Can go to the grocery store, go to a convenience store, go to the pharmacy to pick up meds and healthcare necessities, visit a healthcare facility for medical services that cannot be provided virtually. So you got to call first. Uh, you can go to a restaurant for takeout, delivery, or drive-through service only. Care for a uh, care for or support a friend family member, or pet. You can take a walk, ride your bike, hike, jog, as long as you're socially distancing. Walk your pets, take them to the vet, help others to get necessary supplies, receive deliveries. Um, Buncombe County residents should not go out at all if you're sick. Should not go to work unless providing essential services. We'll get to those. Should not visit friends and family if there's no specific urgent need. Should not be closer than six feet from others if out in public. Should not visit loved ones in the hospital, nursing home, skilled nursing facilities, or other residential care facilities except for limited exceptions as provided by the specific facility. They should not travel except for essential travel and activities and should not engage in door-to-door solicitation. Activities that are considered essential. In general, activities that fall under these categories um, for health and safety, to get necessary supplies and services, for outdoor activities like walking, hiking, golfing, running, cycling, using greenways, for work, for essential businesses or operations, and to take care of others. Those are the things that are deemed essential. Using greenways and golfing these are essential (laughs) essential services uh activities rather they have a whole list by the way you can go to the uh, buncombe county website as well buncombecounty.gov i believe it is you can go to their website and um you can get access to all of this stuff you can also sign up for their alerts too which i i have done i highly recommend it uh you get them right to your phone uh, right now, it's very valuable. Now, if they start spamming me after COVID-19 is all over and done with, like, I will block their number. But right now, it's it's good stuff. Um, so here are a couple questions that, uh, you know, they're FAQs. Am I allowed to travel? Well, you are allowed to travel for purposes of essential business and essential activities. Am I allowed to go outside to exercise? Yes, you can, but you must maintain social distancing of at least six feet from all others. Can you get arrested for violating this order? Well, Buncombe County law enforcement entities will enforce this order through education, dialogue, and seeking voluntary cooperation from residents and businesses. If voluntary cooperation is not achieved, then yes, they are equipped To enforce these restrictions through citations or misdemeanor charges, any person violating any prohibition or restriction imposed by this order shall be guilty of a Class two misdemeanor. And then they helpfully provide a way to report them. You can uh, call via the non-emergency line. Non-emergency line, people. (laughs) (laughs) Non-emergency. Okay? So... Uh, I'm glad that they provided us a way to rat out our neighbors. I see somebody out there, and I don't really think that they're six feet away from their next door neighbor. They're talking over the hedges, uh, uh, and it looks like a, a solid four feet at most. Does this order apply to the homeless? No. Homeless folks are exempt from these restrictions, but are urged to find shelter. It's only, well, I guess that kind of makes sense. If you are being told to stay home and you don't have a home, then it doesn't apply. But good to know that if you're homeless, you can't get a citation for being out and about. But if you do have a home and you're out and about, then you can get a citation. For purposes of the supplemental declaration, essential business means. You ready for this? They have different categories, (laughs) and the list is lengthy. So under the heading of essential healthcare operations, this includes research and laboratory services, hospitals, walk-in healthcare facilities, emergency veterinarian and livestock services, elder care, medical wholesale and distribution, home healthcare workers or aides for the elderly, doctor and emergency dental, nursing homes, residential healthcare facilities or congregate care facilities, medical supplies and equipment manufacturers and providers, blood drive and blood collection sites. Number two, essential infrastructure, including utilities like power generation, fuel supply, transmission, public water, wastewater, telecommunications, data centers, airports, airlines, transportation infrastructure like roads, bus, rail, for hire vehicles, garages, hotels, places of accommodation when used. Any employees who work for business or organization deemed essential can stay in any lodging. Number three, essential manufacturing, including... Food processing, manufacturing agents, including all foods and beverages, chemicals, medical equipment, instruments, pharmaceuticals, sanitary products, telecommunications, microelectronics, semiconductors, agriculture, farms, household paper products. Well, yeah, that's definitely an essential. That's one thing I've learned in the uh, in the in the COVID getting here is the uh, yeah household paper products. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Essential retail, including. Grocery stores, including all food and beverage stores, pharmacies, convenience stores, farmers markets, gas stations, restaurants, bars, but only for takeout and delivery. Hardware, building material stores, pawn shops. Pawn shops? Pawn shops? So somebody asked, like, I mean, hats off to the pawn shop lobbyists, you know, big pawn for getting that one, <laughs> getting that carve out. Why are pawn- Well, I guess it makes sense if in these economic times you're trying to pawn stuff. But to, you know for to make rent um essential services including trash and recycling collection processing and disposal mail and shipping services laundromats building cleaning and maintenance child care services auto repair warehouse distribution fulfillment funeral homes crematoriums cemeteries storage for essential businesses and animal shelters category of news media that's all it is they don't even list that they just say news media okay well thanks Uh, I mean, really, you can't keep news people at home during, you know, floods and blizzards. Do you think this is going to keep them home? Financial institutions, including banks, insurance, payroll, accounting, notary public, services related to financial markets. Providers of basic necessities to economically disadvantaged populations, including homeless shelters and congregate care facilities, food banks, human services uh, providers. Um, Community and in-state licensed residential facilities, critical human service agencies, providing direct care or support. Construction. Skilled trades like electricians and plumbers, others related construction firms. Prefer- okay. This just everybody. This <laughs> everybody. Defense. Um... That one's pretty broad uh, defense and national security related um, essential services necessary to maintain safety law enforcement fire prevention building code enforcement security emergency management response building cleaners and janitors general maintenance whether employed by uh, the entity directly or a vendor automotive repair disinfection and the final category vendors that provide essential services or products including logistics and tech support child care and services. And here are the examples. Logistics, technology, support for online services, Uh, so the IT. IT is essential. Child care programs and services, government-owned or leased buildings, and essential government services. Okay, so basically, everybody. Everybody's going to be able to figure out a way to make this apply to them. But if you can't figure out a way to justify getting up and going into work every single day while everybody else isn't, uh, you can go to the Buncombe County uh, website or send an email rather to business at buncombecounty.org. And um, you you give your name, your point of contact, your email address, phone number, um, the nature of the business and why it should be deemed essential. So there you go. Uh, What else do we have? The North Carolina State Treasurer, Dale Falwell, announced that he tested positive for COVID-19 after returning to Raleigh from a trip with his son. Uh, He put out a press statement the other day. It says, I experienced what I thought was my seasonal reaction to spring pollen, which has always severely accentuated my cough. Now, uh, we've interviewed Dale Falwell we well uh, probably see. So he got elected, I believe, in twenty. Was it twenty? It was two thousand eight? I believe, or not two thousand eight? Uh, two thousand twelve. Yeah, he was elected in twenty twelve, and uh, we we had him on the radio program once a month for probably close to six years, and I can tell you, without a doubt, the man has a terrible cough all the time, <laughs> all the time. So, I I really do wish him uh, a speedy recovery. I was sad to see this. Um, I don't know what his uh, particular affliction is, but he yeah he coughs all the time. He's always clearing his throat. Folks who listen to the uh, the interviews, you know this to be true. And in the springtime here, uh, it, it would get even worse, just hacking and coughing. And so that's what he thought it was. This is this is part of the difficulty in identifying co- the coronavirus. The COV2, COVID-19, who's got it? who doesn't? because it manifests itself in such a limited way among so many people, and also uh, you're contagious before you know you have it. S- some people are completely asymptomatic and they're just carrying it. and then others, you think you just have uh, seasonal allergies or something because it's just so mild. So that's what he thought he have, uh, sorry, that's what he thought he had, um, was just uh, allergies. Obviously, he says, I was aware of the COVID-19 pandemic, so I monitored my temperature and I saw no increase through the weekend, even as my cough seemed to worsen. After consulting with a physician, I was tested on Monday, March 23rd, and was informed uh, a couple days later of a positive result. He said he has quarantined himself and will follow his phys- a physician's advice as to when he will return to the office. The staff at the Department of the State Treasurer and um, okay, so that's sorry. This uh, it's I'm reading off of a release here, and it, they've messed up their language here. Anyway, the staff at the State Treasurer's office will adjust their work plans so only those necessary for continuing business services will be in the building. So. Our prayers uh, for Dale Falwell and his family for a speedy recovery there. Um, Meanwhile, the uh, leader of the North Carolina Senate, President Pro Tem Phil Berger, Republican, he wants North Carolina's hospitals and pharmaceutical industries to lead a program of randomly testing about a thousand people in North Carolina uh, in order to determine the extent of this coronavirus before taking tougher measures to block personal interaction. So he he is suggesting we collect data. In an interview Wednesday, this is, by the way, uh, at businessnc.com, he says there's a, there is a perfect blind spot in terms of data. We don't know enough about the prevalence of this virus on the population at large. We need to do... Uh, We need to do more to get accurate information as to what is the prevalence, and that can provide justification for all the stuff we are doing and even more. Often called the state's most powerful political leader, the Senate leader said Republican lawmakers have discussed the proposal with Governor Roy Cooper's administration. Cooper is a Democrat. The program would probably entail an investment of less than $50,000, and it could be completed within two weeks, Berger says. Underlining Berger's comments are his concern that well-intentioned restrictions on work and mobility are having a devastating impact on the North Carolina economy. Berger says it is clear that Governor Cooper understands those concerns. And uh, the, uh, the purpose here is you get a random sample and then you can find out sort of what is the prevalence of this virus in the population at large because right now all we ever are all we're hearing of are the people who are getting tested and whether they recover or die right we're not it, it, this is this is one of the challenges in a fast-moving uh, contagion like the coronavirus is that uh, the data is Is very misleading and can be misinterpreted very easily because we just don't have enough data at this point in the spread, right? So we're trying to collect the data, and so what he's suggesting is go out, get some random samples here, get some tests, and uh, then we'll maybe have an idea of like how prevalent this is. Because what? So here's the thing: what? What if it turns out that everybody's already got it? What if they do a thousand tests? And they find that, like, 994 of the people tested all have it already. They're all carriers. Well, if that's the case, if everybody's already got it, (laughs) right, then do we need to continue behaving as if we're all trying to avoid getting it, right? Now, obviously, if 994 people tested positive, I'd be wondering, like, is something wrong with those tests, right? That would be my first question. Is something wrong with the test? Um. Berger says, all you need to do is get in your car and drive around town and look at the parking lots of retail establishments and restaurants. And the only place that people are at is grocery stores. You don't have to be an economist to understand that's a situation that cannot be sustained for very long. Right. This is what President Trump was referencing when he said, you know, we've got to, we've got to open back up. And his, his hope is that we are opening back up by easter that america is starting to uh to not be on this lockdown uh by easter and of course he was attacked for it (laughs) of course the president was attacked how dare you offer hope you hope bringer we already had one of those it was obama you're no obama don't you dare try to offer us hope now, I will offer you hope if you're trying to buy or sell a home. Uh, here's the here's the number, 333-4483. That's the number for Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. And um, she's been with me with the program since I first came to town in Asheville in 2012. Uh, and she recognizes, everybody recognizes that the current events have all impacted us. Um, and maybe you need to sell your home, but you're thinking, well, you know, we don't want traffic coming through our house right now, right? Do you want people walking through your house? Do you want to, Would you be comfortable hosting an open house <laughs> in today's current environment? Uh, first off, I don't even think you'd be allowed to. But, um, but along those lines, this is why Rowena has been doing these virtual walkthroughs. She's been doing them for over a decade. Like because she came from a marketing background. So she applies the marketing tools to real estate. And it's really, uh, it, it's genius in its obviousness. And so you do the walking tour and you can show everybody the property. And more and more people are becoming more and more comfortable now because of the current situation. This This event is transformational to our society. People are now being exposed to, for example, Zoom and teleconferencing and webinars and stuff, right? People are, seeing like i was on one last night with all the family and my sister was talking about how she never realized her forehead was more like a six head (laughs) we're all learning a lot during this time (laughs) so uh give rowena a call when you are ready to buy or sell a house and if the federal uh, reserve keeps the interest rates really low uh when we come out of this then um the timing might be really, really good. Give her a call, 333-4043, or better yet, go to the website, mountainhomehunt.com, mountainhomehunt.com, and start packing. So, the unemployment applications in one week, have you seen this number? 3.2, 3.3, somewhere in that neighborhood? It's like, well, I first saw 3.3 and then I saw 3.2, so I'm not really sure what the exact number is, but it doesn't matter. It's a really large number. 3.3 million unemployment applications in one week. Um, Let me give you a comparison. The previous one-week high for unemployment applications nationally was October 1982 when the cra- the crash, right? And that number was 695,000. 695,000. And we're at 3.3. Almost five times or well four times greater than the previous high. This is it's catastrophic. It's catastrophic. Um which for the life of me I cannot understand what the bleep Congress is doing. I, I I wish I could give you some sort of guidance on this. I wish I could provide insight. I have no earthly idea. I am I am so livid at the behavior of these politicians up in DC. I am I'm almost as angry, well, I shouldn't say I'm almost, I am just as angry as I was during the Kavanaugh hearing. That's, it's another moment of radicalization for me. Look, I never had a high opinion of a lot of these folks to begin with. That is true. (laughs) I fully recognize I did not have a high opinion of them before, Uh, but I am uh, like most Americans in this sense, I guess. Although I've got a Gallup study here or survey that uh, the media fares even worse than Congress. But the White House and the Senate leaders reached a deal this week on a what uh, the Hill is calling a stimulus package. I consider this to be relief or an aid package. I don't consider this to be a stimulus package. Because right now, it's just push the money out the door. Like, it, this is such a simple thing to have constructed initially seriously i don't care like uh, uh, there are people that are worried like oh well you're gonna get like you're gonna give this money uh you know to every american what about americans who are rich i don't care i don't care well i don't need that check from the government then then give the freaking money away i don't care seriously if if we're going to do helicopter cash right then just make it rain just drop them just drop the money from the helicopters it doesn't matter who gets it everybody gets it and you know what if you don't need it and you're like oh i don't need this money donate it give it to somebody else give it to a church buy $1000 worth of um of groceries for the food pantry uh, go and donate it at a local restaurant spend $1000 on on food and then just not buy, uh, not pick it up well don't do that just give it to them i wouldn't say that cuz you're going to make them work for it first like that's not that's not cool that's not cool Right, but you there are ways to push that money out if you don't want it, you don't need it. And if you're a rich person, well, they shouldn't be getting this, you know, one thousand or whatever it's gonna be, fifteen hundred dollars, they shouldn't get that. Do you think a rich person really gives a rip about fifteen hundred dollars? Like seriously, why do you care? Why do you care if fifteen hundred dollars means a lot to you as it does to me, why would you care if somebody rich is also getting it? It doesn't mean as much to them. So what? It does it mean? Does the does that minimize the value of the money to you? Of course not. It's just this this envy that is just rotting people and our entire society. It's like paralyzing this class warfare crap. Has got to stop. It has got to stop. But it's not. It's not stopping. Um, they worked. The 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 Senate worked on this thing like all into the night. They made this announcement like after midnight that they came to a deal and the revamped proposal, which by the way is like a thousand pages, it's $2 trillion. Um, Although I've seen when you add it all together with this other like Federal Reserve stuff that they're doing, it's like $6 trillion. Like to be clear, we can't afford this. Uh, We are bankrupting future generations. We already have bankrupted them. This is just more on top of it Uh, and unless we're going to charge China for this, which I would support although I recognize it might lead to conflict and or violence with China um, I think that they that this was them this was the, I blame China for this. I tell everybody this is China's fault if you're angry about being cooped up inside for two weeks and we uh, my, my niece just had a birthday my wife and I we had our anniversary like all of these all of these things, these ways that you're being impacted, Blame China. I, I sincerely believe that. Blame them. Because they are to blame for releasing this pandemic on the world because, you know, they've got a, an elite class in their commie country that can't stop eating bats and crazy kinds of wildlife in these disgusting, filthy markets. Oh, and then they lied about how bad the pandemic was and told everybody it's not transmittable between humans and lied to the world for weeks and weeks and weeks. And now they're on a massive PR effort to try and, oh, here's a story. They apparently, you know, they uh, were giving away all of uh, these supplies and stuff to other countries to let everybody know, see, we're leaders, you know, pay no attention to the fact that we unleashed this on everybody. But no, no, uh, we're going to run around and we're going to give masks and we're going to give tests. They gave Spain like half a million tests and the Spanish tried to use them and apparently they don't work. Good job, China. That's awesome. So the deal includes $500 billion for a major corporate liquidity program, and the Democrats were outraged about that. How dare you give money to corporations? You realize people work at corporations, right? Corporations, I understand this is a popular whipping boy for the Democrats, but corporations employ lots and lots and lots of people. And if the corporations go belly up, all those people, if they're not already fired, they will be fired. This this is what I mean you guys are fighting policy battles that no longer matter okay this stuff doesn't matter this is pushing money out in the wake of a cataclysmic catastrophe this is get the money get the aid get the relief to the stricken areas as quickly as possible because We're less than a week away from the first of the month. And I understand that the folks in D.C. with their, you know, six-figure jobs at taxpayer expense, I get it that you guys probably don't really uh, know what the first of the month means to a lot of people. But for a lot of Americans, it means do you pay the rent, do you pay the mortgage, and if you don't, you're out. This This is the beginning of what could be, like, this could be another Great Depression. I have no idea. I don't know. I'm not speculating it will be. I'm just saying if you're trying to prevent that course from being run then you drop the pettiness. You can there're going to be other spending bills to come folks. You're going to be able to you're going to be able to try for the the uh, the the you know the, the payoffs to big labor and you're going to be able to try and you know cram funding for abortions in the next relief package. Fine, but you know fight it then try it then right now times of the essence and we've got a speaker of the house in dc nancy pelosi she she's not even bringing the bill yet she hasn't even brought the bill yet the senate passed this thing like wednesday it's it's an outrage it's it it is i'm almost speechless at just at just the unethical behavior I'm trying to be nice here cuz I realize like if this was just straight up podcast that's one thing I probably wouldn't be so uh, restrained right if this was just going to be on the digital and people were accustomed to hearing me speak French they probably I would probably be using different words right now <laughs> uh all right, so $500 billion for corporations uh, through the Federal Reserve, $367 billion for small business loans, $100 billion for hospitals, $150 billion for state and local governments. Um, it'll also give a one-time check of $1,200 to Americans who make up to $75,000, um, and that would be double for uh, for uh, household, for joint filers, uh, so married couple. It'd be a hundred fifty thousand and you'd get twenty four hundred dollars, which yeah okay twelve hundred dollars that's I'll, hey it's a nice gesture I mean it's not you know Kennedy Performing Arts Center kind of money like they're getting thirty five million dollars as part of all of this, yeah um let me see here. This is the deal hammered out by negotiators. Provides thirty billion in emergency education funding, twenty-five billion in emergency transit funding, uh, twenty-five billion in direct financial aid to struggling airlines, four billion for air cargo carriers. Um, Senate Republicans, by the way, this is from The Hill, Senate Republicans on Tuesday were characterizing the direct assistance as SNAP loans instead of grants to avoid the stigma of the proposal being called a bailout. But it has yet to be determined how the government would be compensated. (laughs) How about how about the government is compensated by not having complete societal collapse? How about that? Would that be good? I think that's a pretty good compensation. (laughs) Um, the bill bans stock buybacks for any corporation that accepts the government money. So if you take the money and you're taking money, you can't do any stock buybacks with it and you can't do a stock buyback for a full year. Okay. Um, then they also added a provision in there where nobody who works at the the head of the federal executive departments, the president, the vice president, members of Congress can't get any of the money if you are so like Trump towers, Trump hotels, trump golf courses you you can't get any of those any of this money because they think about it they were so uh they're they're so worried that donald trump is going to get some of this money for his companies <laughs> that they banned everybody from getting money for the companies so what about all the people that work for all of those companies just screw them i guess right <laughs> Oh, Sorry, sorry you took the job at the Trump Casino, <laughs> you know. Oh, wait, that's out of business. Um, sorry, you took the job at the Trump Golf Course. You're at Mar-a-Lago, or whatever. You're, you know, you're a janitor at Mar-a-Lago. And sorry, uh, we're going to have to close down and you're fired because Trump couldn't get the um, uh, the, the, the business loans or whatever. Uh, the legislation creates an inspector general and oversight committee for the corporate assistance program. I support that. There's a bunch of money getting pumped into the uh, food stamps. Both sides accuse the other of trying to get unrelated provisions in the bill, which could be the final major piece of legislation Congress passes for months. Republicans accuse Democrats of trying to include increased fuel emission standards for airlines and expansion of wind and solar tax credits. It's not that Republicans accuse them. It's that Democrats did that. It's not, it's not an accusation. It's literally what Democrats did. This is how the media gives the pass to the Democrats. Like, well, Republicans accuse them. You might say they pounced on legislation that Nancy Pelosi uh, proposed. It's in the bill. It's like over a thousand pages. And it's just this wish list of all of these Democrats saying, oh, hey, we got uh, got this leverage over the Republicans because they wouldn't dare vote against uh, this relief package and so let's just stick a bunch of things in there while we can while we got them over a barrel um what else does it say here the uh t- t- democrats homed in on a provision in a draft circulated last weekend that would have blocked nonprofits who receive medicaid like planned parenthood from the previous coronavirus package from receiving small business administration assistance under the stimulus package OK, so the Democrats, meanwhile, were like, well, you're 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 going to ban Planned Parenthood from getting this taxpayer money, right? Yeah, that's not that. But notice that's uh, that's not an accusation. See, Republicans accused Democrats, but Democrats homed in on. Notice the difference in the language. Republicans are accusing Democrats of something that they actually did. Right. Meanwhile, Democrats are merely homing in on language that says abortion providers can't get the small business loans which by the way would be the Hyde Amendment which is already law <laughs> This is already part of the deal that the federal government doesn't fund abortions. Okay. So here, what's in the the Democrats' counter-coronavirus stimulus bill? Here you go. You ready? Here are the giveaways. This was from Pelosi's original proposal. Collective bargaining protections for government workers. $33 million for the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. $278 million for the IRS. $35 million for the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts. That's still in. $36 million for the National Center for Advancing Translation. Relational Sciences, $7 million for the Gallaudet G- University and $23 million for Howard University, $300 million for the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Mandates on businesses that take the money. Permanent paid leave for all workers. $15 minimum wage. You'd have to report gender, race, and ethnicity of employees to the government. Report supplier diversity to the government. Report pay equity to the government. Report board diversity to the government. Launch a five-year diversity and inclusion initiative. These were the strings that the Democrats were going to attach to the money federal government control of elections they wanted to mandate early voting and mail-in ballot voting they want to mandate uh, uh, a mandate to allow online voter registration and a mandate to allow same-day voter registration oh and by the way their original proposal also prohibited any states getting money if they had voter ID this is what this is how how they viewed what we're going through right now this economic collapse they they view this as an opportunity to destroy the system that's what they see this as tell me how do you tell me i'm wrong like what's your counter argument when you see this collapse and you come forward with this list of things well that's just the negotiation Mm -mm, these are your priorities these are things you guys have obviously had in a drawer for a very long time and you threw them all into this bill because you saw an opportunity airline industry takeover they wanted to require airlines to offset their carbon emissions they wanted half a billion dollars for research into sustainable aviation fuels and they wanted to require airlines to report carbon emissions on every flight so when you would get on the plane you would have the uh, flight attendants run through the the safety thing you know the video and all of that and then tell you how much carbon you're putting into the air by flying That's the way you save the airline industry. Um, Some of the nation's biggest companies could face bankruptcy without federal intervention. Fitch ratings actually downgraded its outlook for United Airlines to negative this week. S&P ratings downgraded Boeing's credit rating to just two notches above junk status. But good job, Democrats. Way to get the diversity training uh, mandated. (laughs) It really is amazing. It really is amazing. Was it, Is this the part where they play their violins on the deck? Is that the... Okay. Are you prepared for what's coming here? Do you even know? Nobody knows, right? Nobody knows what this is going to look like, what our society is even going to look like after two weeks. Nobody knows. So are you prepared? And what does that mean? Head on over to my friend uh, Tim at Old Grouch's Military Surplus. Go to his website, oldgrouch.com. And uh, yes, he's got the store. It's on Main Street, downtown Clyde. It's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun, which he will tell you the story about that, too. It's pretty amazing. Um, And it's an old school, traditional military surplus store. But it has a mix of modern and vintage items. And it has stuff to help you be prepared for just about anything. And if you're go if you're going in there and looking for something and you can't find it, Tim can find it for you. He gets new stuff in all the time, and uh, which by the way, so if you have something and you're looking to uh, to sell it, uh, hit him up at oldgrouch.com. oldgrouch.com. Uh, his dad started this company up three decades ago, and uh, when his dad uh, got sick and passed away, then Tim took over the store. And if he doesn't. Have it. He knows where to get it. And this is all real military surplus. It means it's American-made. It's high-quality stuff because it's American-made. Oldgrouch.com. Old Grouch's military surplus. Old school, traditional military surplus. Um, Jim Garrity at Nash, uh, sorry, yeah, National Review. Yeah, he's still a National Review. Sorry, they had a bunch of people leaving and stuff. Uh, he says, don't let the current crisis get worse over the fear that somebody somewhere might get a check that they don't need. He says, I could even see a theoretical argument for taxpayer money going to the Kennedy Center, as that institution does employ a couple thousand people, including not-so-wealthy folks like the ticket booth operators and ushers, janitors, stagehands, like that sort of thing. And right now, no one's buying tickets to see any shows. Then again, if you think about institutions who probably have enough generous wealthy supporters to get them through a hard time, the Kennedy Center's probably near the top of that list, right? The, the top institution would probably have to be Harvard University. It's got a $40 billion endowment. And that school chose to lay off the dining hall employees rather than tap the endowment. Harvard's president and his wife both have tested positive uh, for having no soul. No, I'm kidding. Uh, for I'm um, sorry, for uh, coronavirus. The important thing was to get the money out, he says, on this, uh, on this relief package. The important thing was to get the money out the door as quickly as possible. For many people, rent or the mortgage is due on the first day of the month. The money in this bill will not get there in time. The good news is that some states and localities have temporarily suspended evictions, but nowhere near all of the states have done that, and those restrictions are just temporary. Some of them expire, like, April 6th, April 3rd. Um, if you're a small business owner who previously uh, had steady income and now it's just gone to zero, the outlook for May doesn't look very good, right? Let, I mean, April, April is dicey. You're going to see a lot more people like the the unemployment applications of 3.2 million people in a week. That's just the beginning, folks. That's just the beginning here. Each day that this money does not arrive, more businesses are forced to lay off workers. They're forced to close their doors. We slammed the brakes on almost every part of our economy, besides healthcare, grocery stores, and essential government services. Even during the Great Recession, consumer demand declined and dwindled, but it didn't disappear overnight, right? All of the usual policy priorities needed to take a rain check, at least for now, if not for the duration of this crisis. It seems not enough people on Capitol Hill seem to realize this. And the worst offenders appear to be Representative Jim Clyburn. He's the one who said we should use this as an opportunity to restructure things how we want it. Um, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Senate Democrats as a whole who voted en masse over the weekend against the bill that they negotiated. All of them, at one point or another, either delayed or threatened to delay passage of the bill because of their pre-coronavirus policy priorities. They saw a moment of leverage for their personal legislative priorities, and they felt they could strong arm the GOP into agreeing. They believed, with understandable confidence, that every media institution would quickly rewrite headlines such as Democrats block stimulus package and turn it into partisan divide block stimulus package. And I went over this the other day. That is exactly what the New York Times did. They're, they rewrote a headline. Well, they wrote it three three different times. They wrote it, then they rewrote it, and then they rewrote it again. So three different headlines, same story. First headline was blaming Democrats. Second headline was a little bit more uh, wishy-washy. And then the third one blamed partisan divide. But the Senate did approve this. Senator Mitch, McConnell's call, uh, Mitch McConnell said this is a wartime level of investment into our nation. And so now this goes to the House, where, as I mentioned earlier, the Speaker has apparently scheduled the vote for the last day of the week for some reason, rather than not trying to do it as quickly as possible, because the House is in recess. The House was in recess. The Senate apparently is now going into recess, with some of its members... Uh, Sick or in quarantine, concerned about flying back to Washington, leaders were considering approving this thing by unanimous consent. That is a tactic usually reserved for minor, uncontroversial measures. See, so do you think that they recognized that this was going to go through by unanimous consent, that that's the best way they could try to get it done? And so because they recognized that, that's why they tried to cram as many things in as possible? Here's one. This is a piece by Hans von Spakovsky uh, over at PJMedia.com. Uh, uh, von Spakovsky is a senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation. He's a former commissioner on the Federal Election Commission, and he said uh, that this is this crisis is no reason for the feds to take over the election process. And this is now you're starting to see this. Uh, North Carolina sent the North Carolina Board of Elections director sent out uh, or Elections Director Karen Brinson Belt. She sent out this uh, notice on changes to the uh, to the November election. Which, by the way, 2020. This is a really, really important election because who wins in the state races, they get to draw the maps. Do you think that might be? I don't know. Important. Of course, it's important. I'm trying not like I'm I'm trying to give people the benefit of the doubt. But when the Democrats put into their bills at all levels, state and federal levels, when they're talking about let's allow for ballot harvesting. That's what they're talking about allowing now. Ballot harvesting. Absentee ballot harvesting. Yes, you heard that correctly. The very thing that the Democrats were screeching about in the 9th congressional district race to replace uh, when Pittenger lost and then Reverend, uh, uh, Harris, uh, uh Mark Harris, right. One in the, uh, uh, the election, and he barely beat Dan McCready. And then, oh my gosh, we found out there was all this ballot harvesting, these absentee ballots. And that was his name, Dallas McRae or McRae Dallas. The guy with two last names. I don't know. And, uh, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's doing that. And people were pointing out, well, the guy worked for the Democrats for years and with the Bladen County Improvement Association and, like, that's what they've been doing. And then he just went on on his own and was servicing the Republican clients and, like, competing with the Bladen County folks. Like, everybody knew what was going on down there with this ballot harvesting, and it's illegal. Right? It was illegal. But in California, it's not. But here, it is illegal. And so now the Democrats want to lift that uh, restriction and just allow for the ballot harvesting to occur. And nationally, too. Is there anything the coronavirus can't do? Hans von Spakovsky writes, Amy Klobuchar and Ron Wyden, both Democratic U.S. senators, seem to think it should make the feds tell the states how to run their elections. They've introduced a bill that would do just that, the Natural Disaster and Emergency Ballot Act of 2020. It's aptly named because it could bring an electoral disaster in November. Not only is it unnecessary, but it would also make it easier to fiddle with election results. Under our Constitution... Congress sets the time, the place, and the manner of federal elections. But it's the states and the county governments that actually administer the elections. And this was designed on purpose. The founders understood that giving the federal government authority to run elections would also give that government, including the politicians who control Congress, It would give them the ability to manipulate election rules to ensure their desired election outcomes. And the founders did not want the federal government to be uh, vested with that kind of power. But now since Democrats took over the House, they have been pushing bills to increase federal control over elections. Currently, states require absentee ballots to be postmarked by Election Day which makes sense. If you want to vote absentee, you got to vote and send it in the mail before the election is over. Right? <laughs> this this makes some amount of sense to me. I don't know why it just does. It just makes some amount of sense. It's to prevent people from seeing the voting results and then after the fact organizing a get out the vote absentee ballot operation, right? To try to change the results. But this is what their bill would allow. This is what they wanted to do. It would force states to accept absentee ballots as long as they have been supposedly signed by the voter before the polls close. Well, the polls close at 7 o'clock, 7.30, right? In some states, right? So how do you know when when it was actually signed, Obviously, there's no way to verify it. This is very different from election officials accepting the official postmark of the U.S. Postal Service as evidence that an absentee ballot was cast before the polls closed. He says this change would give individual voters or vote harvesters the ability to easily cheat by waiting until they see the results before voting. The bill also orders states to begin processing votes cast during early voting or by mail 14 days before Election Day so as to avoid delays in the counting of votes on Election Day. So this is another component that they want to change. So right now, most states don't allow early votes to be processed and counted before Election Day. This is also a pretty common sense reason you don't want people to get access to the early results and leak them out. I know, I know. Well, that could never happen. <laughs> right? Nobody would ever <laughs> attempt to leak that kind of information. No, of course they would. The people. Think about the people you're putting in charge on these election boards. They are obviously people that have an interest in politics. Right? That's how they got the appointment. People. Okay. So, uh, if if the leaked information gets out then it can influence or dis- either encourage or discourage voter participation on election day right that's why you don't count all you don't run the 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 machines you don't count all the ballots you don't you don't c- count the votes until election day itself then you count them then you run the data If leaked to candidates or political parties that are trailing, it could give them information that they can use to modify or refocus their strategy in order to change results. As for the provision to force states to allow 20 days of in-person early voting, how does that make sense at a time of social distancing, by the way? (laughs) This is what they want to do, too. So increase the days of early voting. Never let a crisis go to waste, right? It's unbelievable. These people are unbelievable. Just like my uh, uh, supporters at the Patreon page. You guys are unbelievable. I really appreciate all of the support. Uh, thank you for um, for listening to the show. Uh, don't forget, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, and thank you, everybody, for, uh, for doing so. Talk to you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.